And now, making their way into the arena, hailing from the great pro wrestling state of Massachusetts, they are the hosts of the Top of the Cage podcast. Here are Bill and Juice. And thank you again, Rich Palladino, the voice of New England, always making us sound so good. And yes, ladies and gentlemen, it is I. I am the super producer. I am Bill, joined always by my tag team partner, my wrestling confidant. He is the future booking genius and the prince of pro wrestling podcasts. He is Justin. Juice Cannon. Boom. (laughs) Boom. Baby. Now, BC, we do that every single episode. And I do that. I, you know, you'd think like I'd pre record it, you know, as as the super producer, you'd think I'd pre record that, but (laughs) not that smart yet. It only took me 70 ish episodes to pre record my opening. So don't feel bad. And yes, ladies and gentlemen, we do have a guest on the podcast tonight. And Juice, uh, do you want to do a little intro here for BC? Yeah. So we got BC Hunter here from uh, Wrestling With The Truth, a top pod, wrestling podcast up from uh, Nova Scotia, Canada. And uh, we interact on Twitter all the time. So I thought we'd try to get uh, them on. Stanley J, his co-host, The Nightmare, wasn't able to make it, but... um. We're glad to have BC Hunter on, and we really hope to have Jay in the future once we'll uh, do a little part two of the collaboration. Thanks, guys. Thanks for uh, bringing me on. Really appreciate this. We're excited uh, to be a part of it. Uh, and Jay is here in heart, and he's actually sent along some picks because uh, you uh, gave us a little bit of a homework assignment for this episode. So he made sure he sent those along, so I'll, I'll pass them along on his behalf. But uh, really excited to join. Uh, it's nice to have some fellow East Coasters uh that uh, we can talk to. Well, we see, um, you know, for for any of our audience members that uh, might not know a little bit about your podcast too, I mean, um, you know, please feel free to kind of let us know what you guys are all about. Um, you know, I know for us, you know, we do a lot of general talk and a lot of interviews, and I know that you guys do a lot of the same. So, um, you know, for anybody who is not aware of you guys, uh, now is your time for, I guess, a, I, I call it a five-second post, but uh, <laughs> maybe like a hour long promo okay uh well it's hard for me to do five seconds so I'll, I'll try to keep it concise but yeah we are same idea we're a generalist podcast about wrestling um we do a lot of um modern product uh some show reviews just talk we like to get into the analytical side of it just talk about the ins and outs and uh jay's a real big numbers guy so he likes to talk about that side of it i'm an old school guy so i like to compare product and just kind of give ideas an old school mentality for for uh what's going on today and in, in, you know i'm not a wrestler so i i'm not one to speak but i've certainly been watching it for long enough that i can at least give some opinions we don't do a ton of interviews but we love to do in these collaborations with uh fellow podcasters i we have a ton of fun doing that uh we've got uh, a youtube channel as well besides the audio podcast so that's um something we started over the last few months and it's been growing pretty good for us so we're we're excited about that. We try to put videos out at least once a week, if not more. And um, that, that's just the same. It's Wrestling With The Truth on YouTube. And then, of course, we're on a, 
pretty much any audio format that you can find, uh, you'll find us there. And on um, on social media, on Twitter and Instagram and Facebook, uh, for Twitter and Instagram, it's at WWTTPod. And we're pretty interactive on that. We And we love promoting fellow podcasters. I stumbled onto yours. I can't even remember how. I think maybe you guys might have tagged us and started listening to your show. Really enjoyed it. So we make sure that we uh, pump out some tweets about your guys' show whenever we can. And uh, yeah, and over on Facebook, same idea. So anywhere as you can find us, feel free to interact and join with us because we love uh, talking to fellow wrestling fans. It's a it's a fun fraternity once you weed out some of the the crazies. <laughs> Funny of um toxic personalities on there. Just I was listening to like a recent podcast episode of your guys where we talked about the um uh, the hate watchers stuff oh, yeah. like that. Yeah. Those people on the on Twitter are always tough to see, but um, like you said, finding the good ones is always fun, and talk and have uh, fun conversations about uh just past stuff and current stuff is always a uh, you know what you just gotta find on Twitter. <laughs> yeah, for sure, that was our latest episode. Stop hate watching wrestling, uh, and it was a follow up to the episode we had prior where we had uh, Bama Dave from Bama Chatter on our show and he's a guy that that watches uh wrestling almost from a, a old school cafe perspective where he doesn't want spoilers he wants to get into the storyline um actually discusses it on the merits of the storyline as opposed to you know this guy is playing a character uh which is an interesting take in this day and age but it, it's he certainly enjoys it that way and um so it was a great conversation and it caught us thinking about the whole Man, like people just gotta settle down <laughs> with with the the hate for wrestling. So just change the channel if you don't enjoy it. I mean, nobody's holding you a gun to your head to make you watch this stuff. And I know we're all podcasters, and I've used the example of me where I'm not the hugest AEW fan, um, but I don't want to see them fail. I don't hate them. I just want to see them improve or make sense where I'm enjoying the product. There's a lot of people on that show that I really want to see and see do well. But I, I just find it sometimes they make it hard for me to actually enjoy it. So yeah, it's it's um it's it's something that we believe in. Just uh, there's no need for this insanity <laughs> amongst the IWC. Just turn the channel, take a break. That was the other thing we said. Take a break. I literally took, I think it was a three or four month break from AEW. And I was just like, Jay, you just gotta handle the AEW side because I am gonna start hating it. I didn't want that. And now that I'm back, um, I find I'm enjoying it more because I can pick the things that are good and the other stuff I know, well, I'm never going to enjoy a, a trios match where there's 8 million super kicks or something like that. That's fine. I'll, I'll just ignore that part of it, but I'll enjoy the hell out of MJF or something like that or whoever. Yeah. So no, I appreciate you mentioning that episode because we were wondering what their reaction to that was going to be. Yeah, and one thing that we talked to a lot of people about, uh, especially like the indie wrestlers and just people on Twitter that is who are wrestling personalities, they say that, you know, like like you get all these people in your DMs and your mentions are saying all this crap to you. But it's like you said, just turn the channel. And yeah. And another thing, too, is every there's something in wrestling for everybody. Like that's we've talked to so many people about that, too. Like whether you like the high flyers whether you like whether you're like me like i like the big meaty men slapping me like i love a hoss fight <laughs> exactly yeah and, like there is something on almost every show for everybody <laughs> you know you're not gonna like it all it's like life too you know like you don't you don't like everything that goes on in life but 
you know, like you find your niches, you find your facets that you like, and you just grab onto it. Completely agree. Yeah. Well, I think that can take us into kind of one of the first topics we wanted to bring up tonight, and that's just impact wrestling. Um, So I uh, admittedly am not a faithful impact wrestling fan. I keep up with what they do. I I like to watch the highlights. I am very into some of the wrestlers they have over there. Guys like Josh Alexander, Steve Macklin, uh, Grace, Jordan Grace. Love all of them. I'm very thankful for all three of those to have had the opportunity to talk to them. Um, Although, albeit Jordan Grace, I wasn't there for our interview for, but I did accidentally talk to her when we were supposed to talk to Josh Alexander. But that's another story for another day. Uh, (laughs) So, uh, so BC... I guess kind of just a, a first question for you. Um, I know for me, I'm not an impact guy, um, but are, are you an impact fan? And if so, what makes you an impact fan? I, I wouldn't say like I'm a super fan of impact or anything like that, but I, when WCW uh, disappeared and there was really nothing there and TNA popped up, I made sure I was catching TNA and always kind of cheering for them to do well. I enjoyed the product uh, that they had been putting out, especially in those early days when they, it was a, like a weekly pay-per-view that you had to pay for. I think it was like 10 bucks a show or something like that. And uh, there was some cool stuff going on. It got a little bit off the rails there for a little while, but then you got the era of AJ Styles and Samoa Joe and Chris Daniels and those guys. And I mean, they were putting on just fantastic matches. Uh, You had Kurt Angle go over there, which was amazing. Uh, even like the Aces and Eights era, stuff like that, That's I think that's a one that gets trashed a bit too much. I mean, I thought that era, even, I know they call it the Russo-Bischoff-Hogan era, but man, they were getting more viewers than um, than AEW and, and is getting now. And they might, might even have gotten more viewers than Raw gets at some points on some nights, which says a lot. They were doing something. Uh, and then with the whole craziness with Dixie Carter and that, I kind of I lost track of them. And I just decided to get back into them over the last couple of years. And they're putting on, I call them like the, the little engine that could, you know, like they just put on a steady product. It's not something where, you know, I'm going bananas. Like I have to see this pay-per-view, but I know if I flick it on, it's going to be a good show that I'm going to enjoy. One of the things, and I, I'm not, again, I don't want to keep like sounding like I'm trash in AEW. It's not that, but when I watch an AEW show, I'm always concerned somebody's going to get seriously injured during a match. And they're doing some of the similar stuff that Impact's doing, but yet when I watch it, it just seems to make sense. And I don't sit there worried like, holy crap, somebody's going to break their neck or something during one of these matches. They always seem to have a little bit of storyline. They have some zany storylines, but it seems to work for them because they kind of fill that niche. And then lately, I find they've been on fire. Like Bound for Glory was a fantastic pay-per-view. And honestly, if it wasn't for the whole Bray Wyatt stuff that happened at Extreme Rules... I would actually say Bound for Glory was the better pay-per-view of the two that happened on that weekend. It's just that Bray puts it over the top because of his return and everybody's talking about it. But as far as a match-by-match comparison, I mean, it's hard to find a hole in that in that card. Aside from maybe the um, the the Battle Royal to call your shot gauntlet, that'd be both the only thing. But then there were some good surprises in that as well. But the rest of it, my God, that that match between Josh Alexander and Eddie Edwards was fantastic. And then you had her on, Jordan Grace and uh, Slamovich. That was that was probably one of the matches of the year for the at least the women's side and maybe for all of wrestling this year. They just put on a tremendous show. And even like Mickey James and uh, um, Mia Yim and then Kaz and, and uh, um, 
it was a Bailey speedball Bailey, like just a great card. So, and then you watch, you follow up their TV shows. And again, they're following up with storylines, violent by design's got a cool storyline, that kind of stuff. Um, honor no more has been a pretty good storyline. I'm all, I find myself cheering for them. I just want them to succeed because they, they don't understand how they survived this long, <laughs> to be quite honest. They don't seem to be getting any TV viewers, yet when I look on their social media like YouTube or on Twitter, they seem to be getting a lot of views on YouTube and on Twitter. So I start to wonder, and I'm, I'm sure you guys see this same thing, like, does even like the TV numbers matter anymore? Because it seems like people have 14 different ways they can get a wrestling product. And I feel like they're a lot more popular than their TV numbers reflect. So I know that's a long answer, but yeah, I just, I know at least if I flick it on, at least it's not going to be something where I'm completely turned off by the show and I'm going to get some entertainment and going to see some decent matches. And it's something where they kind of seem to know their, um, their, their sweet spot right now. Like they know they're kind of underneath the AEW and WWE. So there's, they're just doing their thing. And you can, you, you actually are seeing talent where you're going, I can't wait to see them in AEW or WWE. Mm-hmm. I think that's kind of similar to my views on it. It's very consistent. I yeah. I don't watch it every single week, but I always follow it. I want to know what I want at least know what's happening. So when I do watch it, I know. I always watch the pay-per-views and I if I don't watch the premium live events or their like impact specials, the other like events um that aren't their big four. I watch those if I don't watch them live, I make sure to watch them within a couple months. Cause they're just always good show. It's I've never, I, I can't think of a bad impact uh, TV episode or pay-per-view in the past three years that I didn't think this is fun. This is solid. This is good. There was no uh, bad booking or, well, I thought recently the battle Royale was bad booking. Yeah. But, yeah um, that is, everything yeah. else in that was good. And cause I'm not a big bully Ray guy, but uh, mm-hmm. everything else on bound for glory was great. And impact is just really fun. And I think you're right. They're more popular than their TV numbers say. And I think part of that is they use everyone really well on their roster. They book really well. And they have just the best. I think the best. You you even said it recently in your Bound for Glory review that I watched too. Uh, the be, One of the best, if not the best, women's division. Or at yeah. least a yeah. well-booked one. It's extremely well-booked. And it's just stacked. Like, I don't think there's really a single woman on that roster that I don't like, that I don't like to see show up at least once. I think the person I like the least is Alicia Edwards, which is mm-hmm. weird because she's from Mass, but I mm-hmm. still like her. When she's on TV, I still say, okay, cool. I haven't seen her in a while. <laughs> yeah, I don't necessarily like her in a match with somebody, but she's doing some good stuff backstage. And then with the tie-in with Eddie, another, another Mass guy for you there. Uh, yeah, she definitely is doing fine but that knockouts division they are they are some talented people in there and i also love how how they bring back these like uh teenage legends for the little runs and stuff like we see kaz come back and i did not expect him to win the title <laughs> what a match it was though yeah it was a great opening match it's gonna just be another notch in the belt for speedball and then he won and now he's the number one contender because he used the option C. And I'm like, I love that. I love that. I kind of want him to win. He's not going to, but I want him to win. I'm rooting for him. So in one week, they've used him better than they did in two years at AEW. (laughs) Ironically enough, right? Yeah. That's AEW. 
Recently, I have similar feelings to AW as you. I, I mm. used to think that was uh, like two years ago, like even not like seven months ago. If you asked me what my favorite company was, I would have said AW. Then I went to Double or Nothing because uh, it was in Vegas. And that's when I was living in Vegas for a little while. And that's when I started the sour for me because mm-hmm. I started to notice uh people's heads slamming in the mats and or outside of the ring and these bad botch uh, every other match someone almost died or not died but like seriously got injured um like darby got hurt there and i was really scared for him against kyle o'reilly and there's a couple other instances like that and then also mjf got squashed and mjf is main i realized once he was gone for a few months i'm like that's the main reason i watch mm-hmm. him mm-hmm. see what he says MJF and uh, yeah, mainly just MJF because other big draws like Samoa Joe's not on TV that much and other stuff like that. But um, yeah, I, and I started to really switch on Raw and also Impact, going back to Impact because that's what we're yeah. talking about. Impact's yeah. just really overtaken AEW in my eyes because they're just you you're how you said it the little engine that could that's the great way to put it because like everyone says oh they're gonna go out of business every year they're gonna go out Mm -hmm. of business they're on the rocks and they never go out of business because they're putting something consistent out that people want to see and people don't want to go away Mm -hmm. so you mentioned briefly about uh kaz cashing in option c there so the question is bc who do you think should take the belt off josh alexander yeah, that's um. So that's a good question. Uh, ironically enough, a, uh, Impact is pretty stacked, and there's entertaining stuff. But is there somebody that's in the wings that should be taking that belt? I don't think honestly anybody should be taking it off him right now because Josh is seems to be head and shoulders their main guy. Aside from, I mean, the obvious answer, and both myself and Jay agree on this because we're big fans, is Moose. I mean, I could see putting the belt on Moose at any time, and it it works. Uh, and I always. For me, I always like a heel champion. I think the the money's in the chase in that stuff. Uh, <laughs> I always said, like, if if you could just have the the face win it and the next night he has to give it up so we can start a new chase, I think that would work because it's just people turn on the face champion at all times. But I, a couple of names that came to mind for me is obviously Moose, uh, Matt Cardona. I would like to see if he's full-time in there just because of where he won the NWA title. It's goes with the whole bell collector thing. He's he he's made himself into a a big name on the on the quote unquote indie side. Uh, although he's been a lot of mainstream as well, but uh, he I think he'd be nice change for that because uh, I'm really into this character that he's doing now. I know he still does a little bit of comedy, but there's a bit of seriousness to him too. So you can believe him being the champion. I could always see Eric Young do another run with that title. I love Eric Young. I think the guy, I think he's done amazing with this whole resurgence with uh, with Violent by Design, but I don't know if he's going to be with them for much longer. I hear rumors that he might be going back to WWE or his contract might be running out, so whether that happens or not. And then a couple of names that are kind of outside of it. Um, a guy that, I don't know if you guys follow NWA, but we we enjoy it, and a guy that I would love to see get a shot with something is Tom Latimer. I think that guy's a beast um, or like a Nick Aldis coming over from there would be nice as well. Honestly, I'd love to see impact and NWA merge into one and just uh, for, for one, the women's division would be amazing combining those two women's divisions. Cause you could argue that NWA and impact have two of the best 
going if you had that as one it'd be amazing and then just their 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 main rosters would be uh, pretty stacked I know he was there and he's left and I'm not sure if he'll come back but Jake something I always was a big fan of him he's a bit of a beast uh quite quite enjoy him and then I thought of like a guy that they could do the underdog story and build up on if they built it the right way, which I do have confidence and impact. They seem to do a good job of building people is Trey Miguel. He seems to have a a pretty good following there. Um, And he's kind of a old school original, if you want to call it that back to the rascals days. And then the notes I won, you guys interviewed them because they're not afraid to pull the trigger on this. It could be Jordan Gracie (laughs) could win the title. I mean, they've done it with uh, Tessa Blanchard. So who knows? But yeah, those are those are some of the main ones. But I think probably Moose or Cardona would be top of the top of the list for me. I definitely agree with that. I was thinking about it today. I think it's gonna be Steve Mack, but who okay I want it to be is Moose. And I know it's weird because um Moose, you know, the whole climb like Moose uh, cashing in his gauntlet the same night that Josh beat Christian, and then mm-hmm. really the climb back to the top for Josh and finally be moose and moose's run was really more so about just trying to avoid josh alexander mm-hmm. but i remember i think the main reason i want moose to be champ because i think that gives the, the company the best chance at really rising in tv deals because mm-hmm. i remember everyone was talking about moose's promo where he called out roman reigns and called out all the company's champs and everyone was talking about that promo everyone yeah. was talking about moose and they did less of those promos than they did uh, less matches of in promotion with Moose and really focused on just the climb for Josh Alexander back to Moose, even though he still had great matches. He had the belt for six months. Mm-hmm. But I think you really, if you get back to Moose and give him a long title run and let him be Moose and really uh, just let him off the leash and don't have it about be his run be about someone else, have it be about him. And I think that could be the change that Impact needs to get on TV. Because like, like you said, they know their spot. But I think if they trust Moose, they can rise that spot. Because like they're doing Friday night pay-per-views because they didn't want to step on the toes of WWE and AEW. And he could even go greasy again if he had Macklin win against uh, Josh Alexander and then Moose takes it off him right away, just like he did with Alexander. That could be his thing, right? He's a heel. He's allowed to do that. He doesn't need that that bound for glory moment. He needs to take away somebody's moment. So that, that'd be hilarious if he actually was to pull that again. You got built-in storylines right there. That'd be hilarious. And I'd, I'd definitely pop. I mean, I love Macklin, <laughs> but if Moose just took a guy's finally, guy finally getting his first world title run, yeah. finally like turning Cree around, like he said himself, and just Moose just, again, snakes it. <laughs> uh, that's just be very, very fitting the Moose character. How about the run that Macklin's on too? That guy, uh, you know, he's in the Forgotten Sons. He's down in NXT and nobody's really thinking about him and never thought that he could be doing this. He's been fantastic in Impact. It's, and that's why the other thing I love about Impact is that you get these people that were not even heard of on the main rosters of like WWE or AEW and they're actually getting good runs and you get to see their potential. Yeah, I think that's why a lot of these people like doing these six-month deals with impacts or like Mm one-year deals because it gets really good tape out of them. Like Mm -hmm. Jonah was only there for a few months, and one of his best matches was with Alexander. Like it really – I'm like – it made me look at him in a different way. 
just like it's made me look at Steve Macklin a different way. Even Mia Yim, like I used to think oh, I only really like her in hardcore matches. Wasn't really a fan of her in NXT. Her run and impact, she's been putting on banger after banger. I've been really impressed. She's had some match of the nights and stuff. And I'm like, okay, I, I, I've overlooked her. And they keep doing this with multiple people. She's not the only one. And that, I don't know what, what, what it is in the water and impact that makes people just pull out their best matches on a consistent basis. But, uh, other companies should uh, look into it. <laughs> what a great point. And what I find is they won't bury anyone that's coming in. As soon as somebody comes in, they're willing to put them in that main spot, which that's going to motivate these wrestlers. So they can, Jonah is a great example. They knew they had him for six months. It wasn't like they're just going to have him uh, on his back for a bunch of people to put them over. They're like, okay, let's, let's use him for six months. Let's get a great storyline out of it. Me, him, same thing. She was like, was she, I can't remember, was she working without a contract for Bound for Glory or something like that? Or she was, her contract was up right after it. But again, she's in a main program with Mickey James and and doing fantastic. And she's someone that I think perfectly fits in, uh, in impact. She's not going to ever be the top of the card at WWE, but there she can be high, high ranking in that, uh, in that knockouts division. Yeah. I definitely want her to stay. Mm-hmm. Uh, I feel like AEW is probably the move because of Keith but um and then I know there's talk about her going back to WWE as well but I think Impact brings out the best of her and I don't think she should use it as just the stepping stepping stone like other people do I think she should think say if they're willing to pay me what I deserve and then I don't I don't really need to make that much money because I got Keith mm-hmm. and um just bring out the bet let's, let's I'm happy here I'm, I'm putting on my best matches and I think this is where the fans want me most too but of course you gotta do what's best for you and um i'll support her and hopefully it'll bring out the best best of them you know her and other companies too uh, I'm, I'm curious to see what she does next well off the heels of talking about uh impacts great women division i know another topic we wanted to bring up tonight with ubc uh regarding uh the wwe's women's division and specifically revolving around the women's tag belts Mm-hmm. Um, I know we've had discussions at length, uh, Justin and myself, talking about should Triple H just scrap the belts at this point? Should there even be a women's tag division at all? Or, you know, is the talent starting to improve? Are we actually starting to see women who are feasibly tag teams together start to come together? Um, and, and we were curious to hear your take on that. Yeah, well, it's when you asked that question, I had to put some thought on it. I was thinking, can I name more than two women's tag teams in WWE is, is the first thing. And, and I had trouble doing that, to be quite honest. Um, not to say that there's not talent in WWE. There just doesn't seem to be a real focus on the women's tag division. I mean, it's way down the pecking order as far as any importance. The only way that you make it important is if you have some of your main stars, like when they had Sasha and Naomi be the champions. but Really, you need them up in the main events of the singles side of things. So to me, I think, yeah, they should scrap the women's tag titles. And it's not a knock against the women. It's just, I think, instead, replace it with uh, with a a um, mid-card title, singles title. Gives them a little something. That would have been perfect for, like, we saw what happened with Liv Morgan and her run uh, with the SmackDown title. It just didn't work. And whether that's Liv Morgan's fault or whether it's the Booker's fault, I don't know. But it just wasn't working. But for her, like Jay brought up a great point. Right from the get-go, they doomed it. They had her cash in in a heel manner, and she's a face. Like, you know, she took advantage of an injured Ronda Rousey, which made no sense 
as to her doing that. If you're a baby face, if you want to get her over, I realize from a realistic perspective, for sure. Yeah. You're going to pick on the person that's injured and try to take advantage of it. But if you want to get the person over as a face, you want to have them name their, their date and actually win the title in a fair way. Um, but now for her, I just don't think she was ready to step to that elite level that where you have like the Bailey's and the Bianca's and Charlotte's and people like that. Uh, but if she was contending for a mid card title against like, say a Carmella or um, I don't know, uh, um, or like a Raquel or, or somebody like that, uh, Sonia Deville, I think that'd be perfect. Cause then it's, it goes back to the way they used to use the intercontinental title back in the day when that was kind of your, that was your, you're preparing to jump to the next level. Let's see if you can get over with this title. And I think, at that point, it becomes a lot more believable that she could step in the ring with with uh, the likes of Rousey and Sasha and all these people and contend. So I, although I, you hate to see them lose the title, I think you just replace it with a mid-card title. Let the, and then I think that's when you start to get a buildup of the women's division because you have people that are contending for titles all over the place. They're taken a bit more seriously. And that's when you can branch off into the tag team scene if you want. I just don't think they have a strong enough focus on that to, to have the titles right now. Yeah. It's funny that you say like, you can only think of two. Like I, I struggled to think of them myself. Like we just did an episode where we booked a WrestleMania and I was like, I don't even know where I'm going to put these on a card. So I'm just going to throw <laughs> them into a multi-women match. Right. Like there's just going to mm-hmm. be like, like you're a tag team, you're a tag team. Cool. You're on WrestleMania. Like congratulations. Yeah. And like the women don't deserve that. Nobody really no. deserves that. Honestly. No. And I I think a mid card title is is a perfect solution here. Honestly, that that kind of slipped my mind. Uh, you know, like reading over the sheet, like I I didn't even think like yeah, like a mid card title would work. But it's it's hundred percent true. Like it works with the men's division. Why wouldn't it work with the women's division? Considering you have so many people that are in that division that could help build it up. I mean, you could have people like Alexa Bliss, Oscar in there too. You know, mm-hmm. like veteran women who are multi time champions. Who you know, like you said, something like a Liv Morgan. Uh, even like a Deville too, like who who doesn't really have like that one defining win in her career, like a yeah. win over Oscar or win over Alexa Bliss for a title at that point too, that's pretty defining in my opinion. Yeah, and it's it's a lot easier to believe, uh, like you say, Deville and Morgan feuding over this mid card title than especially when you get something like say a Rhea Ripley comes back into the scene. Uh, I just found out today the reason why she wasn't wrestling was she was had a concussion and that's why they've been kind of keeping her on the sidelines. It makes sense now, but if you have Ripley, Bianca, throw Becky in there, Bailey and Charlotte feuding over and Rhonda feuding over the main title and you're throwing Sonya or, or, or live in there, it just doesn't feel right. But if you have a live jumping in after a six month reign as your women's IC champion or whatever, look, and you can make the procedure. I love what you're talking about with Oscar. Uh, I'd love to see Oscar with a with a secondary title because look at like Lashley as the U.S. champ and immediately that title just went up ten notches because it was Lashley holding the title and going after it or Seth having it now or something like that versus I don't know uh, the Miz having it. nothing against the Miz I love the Miz but it just it's not the same right you know it's um, it just it's that feeling and Oscar. If you she was your initial champ, that right away puts uh, importance on that title, uh, and it doesn't make it feel like such a mismatch. Because I just picture Rhea Ripley against Liv Morgan, and I, I it just doesn't it doesn't work for me, dog. If you know what I mean? Honestly, 
with Liv's reign, I th- think it was more so just how she was booked. I think she could have been a, a pretty good I, – I, I, I think you're right. I think giving her a mid-belt would have definitely been a smarter move. But, but I do think that her push could have worked if she was booked differently. I think um, – Oh, yeah. I mean, I was there for the cash-in, and I was all excited and happy that she finally got her moment. But in reality, her cashing in in a heel manner, uh, that was strange. That was weird. Or if you're going to do it like that, uh, I remember when Big E cash-in, he did it after Lashley did a match. But Mm -hmm. he also called his shot on Twitter and said, I'm cashing in tonight. And at the beginning of the show, I'm cashing in tonight. Yep. Liv could have done that. She said he, she could they could have given her an interview right after the Money in the Bank match and said, Rhonda, after your match with Natalia, I will be cashing in because I do need the rest. I can't join the triple threat. I need a little bit of rest after the Money Bank, but I will be in after the match. I will cash in. I think that would have been a smarter move. And then and, and then that their uh, first actual match where she tapped out, but they had the pin. That didn't help her either. And Delito changed those two moments. And I think we could have a different run by her and she'd maybe still be champion. And maybe those boos that she got at fan from the fans wouldn't have happened, but um, yeah, the ta- women's tag belts, they need to go. Mm-hmm. Uh, like you said, like, I can't think of enough teams. And um, I think when they made two different tag belts, one next team on the main roster, that really doomed the main roster tag belts because the matches and the tag teams you can make because when you had nxt tag teams competing on the main roster even even though they didn't do that much they did a little bit i thought it kept hope that these tag women's tag belts could work but then yeah. we introduced the nxt tag belts the hope was gone and i thought when triple h was in charge maybe he could do something else to fix it but so far he hasn't and I think they just got to be cut. And I think your idea of a mid-belt for the woman is the smartest idea, and it's the best way, I think, to use your Leah's, your Liv Morgan's, your Shona DeVille's, and Shotzi's. Yeah. Juice, actually, you got a, a good point there because you could still have a women's tag title, but it has no allegiance. So it's either NXT, SmackDown, or Raw, and it goes in between. So some sometimes it's a you know, toxic attraction who, yes, you'd want to have a tag title for them going up on the main roster and fighting someone or, or the next week they're on NXT and you have a float between all the divisions. So it doesn't really feel like there's even, it helps NXT kind of feel not as third rate, I guess. And, I'll, and, and honestly, when I think of it, the NXT women's title is a perfect example of how a big car title would elevate who would have thought Mandy Rose would have turned into what she has over the last year? If she was to show up on Raw or SmackDown right now, you could totally believe that she could step in there with Bianca or, or Ronda and actually possibly take the title. And the NXT title almost feels like that mid-card title. And I don't mean that as insulting. It's just that's how you build up somebody underneath the main event pitcher to have them ready to go. If, like I say, if she showed up tomorrow and she beat Bianca, I would not poo-poo that I, I think that's actually uh you know a believable scenario because she's been dominant down in nxt and, and has improved by leaps and bounds by the way just in every facet and i really do like toxic attraction attraction as a trio too they're uh they're funny they're uh better in the ring than they used to they all improved and they just got really good chemistry and um mm-hmm. good little nuances and storytelling like devices and 
they all have really good ring psychology. Like the tag team, uh, JC and Gigi, they're not, they're not the best in the ring technically, but I still love watching their matches because they're both really smart and they fight in this old school traditional style of tag team yeah. wrestling. They're kind of yeah. like FTR. They're not the flashiest team, but they're so smart and they understand the nuances of tag team wrestling that they just make they just they can make magic and they have so much potential and then mandy as well like it's a great trio and i think if they popped up in the main roster i'd be pretty happy i think it's almost time to do that they're entertaining that's the that's the main thing they entertain you and it doesn't it just goes to show you don't need to be the greatest skilled wrestler if you're entertaining like they're they remind me of like the free birds <laughs> it's just show up anywhere and just kind of cause some havoc and entertain you. But not aside from, you know, of course, Terry Gordy was a beast and uh, buddy Roberts. I know he was a good wrestler, but he wasn't used that way, but Michael Hayes wasn't a great wrestler, but he could talk you into the seats and want you to um, want you to go see him get beat up. And that's, that's the same thing that they're doing right now. It's all about entertainment. And I think that transitions us perfectly into the last topic of the show here tonight. Uh, so you see, as we said, Jay was not able to join us, but we did have like a fun little topic for the last thing here. You know, if you're a fan of our show, you know, that we do more Mount Rushmore's than probably anybody in the history of anything has ever done for (laughs) any show. And one that we want to bring up is, you know, since we are both podcasting duos, podcasting partners, as you heard in our intro juices, my tag team partner, my wrestling confidant, uh, we wanted to do a little Mount Rushmore of tag teams all time i don't know about you guys but i gave a solid like 15 minutes of thought to this today <laughs> and i have let's see four eight 12 honorable mentions because yeah. i literally I, I still haven't picked my fourth yeah i i still haven't picked my fourth and at that point there's going to be 15 honorable mentions because i i can't i can't decide between them so <laughs> um, that's that's pretty on par for me though i always have my fourth it's just i don't know who i want to do in the fourth so typically how we like to do this bc is is we'll go uh one than the other uh so i think we can uh, roll that format because i'm sure there's going to probably be a couple that at least we'll will have a shared uh vested interest in so uh juice i know you like to usually kick off our mount rushmores you usually are are good for having uh one that I usually have on my Mount Rushmore right off the bat. So uh, why don't you kick us off here? Uh, before I do, I say I'm, I'm kind of excited to hear all of ours. I think it's going to be the most different ones we had. And uh, BC had like a different, like older school too. But I do have a couple old school teams and especially my honorable mentions. Because um, <laughs> that's when 80s and 90s were on the tag teams are the best. Like I yeah. go, that's when I go back and watch old like WCW or WWF stuff the things that i go on the network to watch are usually tag matches because it's just uh there's some just great ones so many good ones i love them mm-hmm. uh so my number one is the hardy boys which is a more current one and it's just a, a classic team uh like it elevated both people as single stars it's uh jeff hardy is one of the most recognizable wrestlers in the world because of just the Hardy Boys really launching them, and they really launched those TLC matches, having classic matches, and a lot of they just inspired so many tag teams too. So many tag teams you see today, when you ask them what, usually the answer is the Hardy Boys, 
kind of like how rock and roll express was in the past mm-hmm. it I, I say they're like the in in that sense that they're just an inspirational team that is keeping tag team di- wrestling tag team division alive even though they're not active right now but <laughs> mm-hmm. yeah i completely agree with you juice i actually didn't end up putting the hardys on my personal mount rushmore which is a little surprising because like i credit the hardy boys to being like one of the first things in wrestling that i attached myself to um started watching back in 2005 ish six ish so i did miss the era of the tlc matches but i did not miss the era of the hardy boys that's for sure they did make my honorable mention though um, but I know for me, like I wanted to have one of the three being Edge and Christian, the Dudleys and the Hardy Boys on this Mount Rushmore. And for me personally, I actually ended up choosing the Dudleys. And I think that's just because of how important they are to tag team wrestling across across every industry of wrestling, um, you know, from from ECW to WWE to i mean like they've they've probably done one-offs in places that i've never heard of or they've probably won championships in places that i can't even think of right now and uh, you know devon and bubba ray are two guys who just found chemistry with each other you know like you could actually believe they were brothers no matter what they looked like no matter you know what they sounded like or how they talked you know like you i truly could believe that those two men shared a womb and came out of there <laughs> together <laughs> like <laughs> I wouldn't go that far, but uh, <laughs> I do love them. <laughs> yeah, like, I, I don't know. Like, I just always thought, like, they had good antics and good promos and and just worked very well in the ring together. And and like I said, they won championships all over the world. So you you can't deny that that is important, at least the world of professional wrestling. Both uh, both good picks by you. Uh, I will say neither of them made my list. <laughs> but you could include them in the honorable mentions. Um I'm like you. I love either these Mount Rushmores or we do a lot of top 10 shows, right? I just love the countdown shows of different, different things. And I, I love tag team wrestling. Like that was my bread and butter. I I started watching wrestling in the eighties and some of the best tag teams ever came out of that time period. And if a a good tag team match tells an amazing story, that's completely different than, uh, than your regular singles match or anything. And, um, so mine are going to be a lot old school and my number one, actually, before I go my number one, because Jay did pass along his list. Um, I'm not sure if he had a particular order, but he did include the Dudley. So I'll, I'll reiterate what you said that that was, uh, pretty much spot on. I'm sure of what he would have said as well for the Dudleys. I mean, you can't, you have to recognize them. They've won, something like 18 championships or something like that. They've won uh, all the different belts from the different companies, including impact uh, when it was a TNA title. So, you know, they, they have done it all, but they, they didn't make my list. But um, for me, number one is uh, midnight express, um, you know, and pick whatever version I originally, probably a few years ago, I would have said it was Stan and Bobby, but now that I've, you know, done deep dives on some really old school stuff, and watched, um, you know, the work of Dennis and Bobby. I, I kind of lean towards them, actually, the original uh, version with Cornette. And I will point out, whenever I make these lists, I always preface it with, I'm only going to put teams in there that I've, that I've actually seen. I mean, I could say, you know, <laughs> I could say Bruiser and Crusher from back in the days in the AWA, but I never watched a match with them. So that's subjective, right? So, of course, my list, somebody from that's a fan from the 70s or 60s is going to say, how could you not include so-and-so, but for me, yeah, the Midnight Express, they just had the whole package. I mean, you had 
just Cornette as a manager alone was gets them on that list. But then you have, you know, Bobby with his high flying antics and Stan with his uh, charisma or Dennis with, with his hard nosed tactics. And they just, the fluidity of, of, um, of their matches and they weren't afraid to sell. They wanted to get every team over. They would let themselves get their ass kicked in order to get the rock and roll express over or the Russians over or the horsemen or whoever they were up against. So, yeah, when you talk tag team wrestling, I got to include the Midnight Express in there. And of course, they're, you know, one of the inspirations for FDR today, right? Yeah, that was a good one. And actually, um, not even on my uh, honorable mentions, but they definitely should have because I, I was like <laughs> thinking of tag teams. So there's so many and there are some that actually left off my honorable mentions that I did think of. I didn't even think of them. That, that's a good one. I did like Stan too. I do like the Stan iteration. <laughs> so I'll Sweet go, I'll go to my next one. And it's old school one that I never got to see live, but there I have a signed picture of them. It's one that when I say I go back and watch matches, I love watching matches. There's, I love their aesthetic and their charisma and energy. And it's a Legion of Doom slash Road Warriors. It's just, I think they're those, the most unique tag team all time. Just the, just the look alone, the ads and just the makeup. And they were a massive draw for the company. Mm-hmm. And I know bad booking and bad storylines might have hampered their legacy a little bit, but um, not too much because they just were a huge draw. And I think they really showed that tag team wrestling can be a key piece to your company. And I think a lot of companies like AEW, I think they really do, or at least did in the beginning, put huge focus on tag team wrestling. And I think that might have not never happened if it wasn't for these guys. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I'll say Juice. Uh, so I do have the LOD slash Road Warriors also wrote them exactly like that on my list. And the main reason for me, and I have seen their matches for sure, but I remember when I was a kid first learning about wrestling and my I started getting into it, my dad was a big fan back in the 70s and 80s because that's when he was growing up. Um, you know, those were when, you know, like larger than life wrestlers. And like one thing for him was was he always was a huge LOD guy. And like when they came back to the WWE, like mid 2000s, whenever that was, um we won't talk about their later iteration of themselves but um like he he is always just like yeah like those were the guys you know like those were the guys you know they you wanted to be like the lod like you wanted to be tough like the lod and i was like all right like cool like i i i'm an impressionable young child i will actively seek these guys out because i remember like in the old old school like the like the, the video games they used to play like the playstation and stuff like they were unlockable characters they'd be in it because uh they don't like uh, they were on the roster at some point and like i remember like my dad would just always pick them like you know like i would be like the undertaker who was like 90 plus overall and like my dad would just be like one of the road warriors and they'd be like mid 80s or something and i'd be like dad like they're not good why do you pick them he's like i picked them because i love them what do you mean <laughs> And I'll also say, too, uh, I have a brand that I sell Pokemon cards under, and uh, we are called the Victory Road Warriors. And <laughs> our logo is us with the shoulder pads on, like cartoon <laughs> versions, which is pretty funny. <laughs> That's fantastic. <laughs> uh, well, we're going to we're going to 
call this a clean sweep in this one because Jay had the Road Warriors on his and I have the Road Warriors on mine. No matter what anybody says, I know they weren't the most skilled guys in the ring, but it didn't matter. They were the scariest guys in the ring that you could come across in the early to mid 80s. Uh, they kicked ass like nobody could kick ass. The Road Warrior Pop, of course, is famous for the 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 sound in the arena when they would come in. I mean, aside from Hogan's Pop, when when he was champion, there was there wasn't anybody else that was getting something like that. They just looked like wrestlers back in the day. You know, they were scary as hell. I mean, if you watch those old interviews that uh, Hawk and Animal would do on uh, on NWA, and Hawk's literally like popping the neck collar by just flexing his neck. I mean, come on. Like that's just it. That's what a wrestler is supposed to look like. I mean, the shaved heads that nobody would say anything, the face paint, um, the jacked up, you know, they're a walking roid, you know, like all that stuff, you know, it's just amazing, but they were just chaos. They were scary. They were bad. They were, uh, I remember like, you know, people imitating them, like the blade runners imitated them, the powers of pain, you could say demolition did, although demolition set themselves aside eventually as, as something completely different. Um, and no matter what their skill, they they were AWA tag champs, WWF tag champs, NWA tag champs. They killed it over in Japan. Um, you you got to include them on a Mount Rushmore. Uh, put, put aside the skills. I mean, they're just... If you were a fan in the 80s, you loved the Road Warriors. Whether they and it didn't matter if they were bad guys or good guys, you just loved that they kicked the living hell out of everybody they stepped in the ring with. Great pick, guys. For sure. And I think when making a Mount Rushmore, you're not picking it's not just about in ring ability, it's about impact to the industry, uh, look, charisma, everything. You gotta take everything out and um they definitely have charisma, charisma on spades, and their connection to the audience is undeniable. So my next is um, this is one that I also now if I have I have seen them wrestle just not very in person. They were also an older tag team before a team that's legacy still lives on. Part of the fam- I always butcher the name, but the Noy family, you know, uh, a family that's you know we see. Pot- Started with uh, the high chief, Peter Maeva, and now we see it with Roman Reigns and the Usos. I think you know where I'm going with this. It's the Wild Samoans, and I mm. think I know there's a little controversy with them, but um, they've trained so many people. They're very popular. They've won gold, and it's uh, also just have left an undeniable mark on the tag team industry and just in wrestling in general because, like I said, they've trained so many people like Freebird, Michael Hayes, their children have wrestled their so many relatives and 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 they show they still have showed up in the past like after their time was done because they are a draw and um it it was tough making this rushmore because there's teams that i like you know that i've grown watching and love like edging christian and stuff that i all that i'm definitely more uh affiliated with it affiliated with and like more watch more and obviously became a fan of but that's not what Mount Rushmore is and I definitely <laughs> need to put wild Samoans in because of the legacy and stuff like that proud of you for that pick <laughs> thank you yeah I, and I'll be honest um I did not have the wild Samoan on mine I also didn't have them in my honorable mentions but I know we were kind of saying like you know people you're familiar with Titans you're familiar with and while I do completely know who they are 
and respect everything they've done for the business. I myself am just not too familiar with them. Um, and BC, I know you just said that you're proud of the picks. So, uh, you know, if you have anything to speak on for the Wild Samoans before I go here, by all means. Well, it just kind of, it's a great pick. I didn't have them on mine either, but uh, I can totally get that pick. I mean, they they were, as a tag team, they were something different and they were tough as nails. And then, and then they're part of that whole lineage, like you say, of the Anawahi or however you want to pronounce it, uh, family. Um, I mean, they begot Roman Reigns, right? You know, like that's right there, Sika. I mean, I, I mean, I, I was just starting to see, just coming into watching wrestling, WWF stuff, and that I was just seeing the end run for the Samoans at that point. But I mean, I remember Saturday Night's main event watching Sika against Hogan or something like that, and before the match, he like ate like a spoonful of mustard during the interview or something. It was just I'm like, who are these crazy guys, right? It's just nuts but, uh, but yeah it's it's a love to hear the old school love for uh for that group so my uh next pick it's not extremely old school it's old school for me um you know it's a team that i got familiar with as i started learning a lot more about the lineage of pro wrestlers especially people that were no longer on my tv every week uh, and that's the heart foundation mm. um i think that brett and jim neidhart you know two talents that I think are undeniable in terms of tag team wrestling for how much skill and charisma and, and kind of just the way they carried themselves, walked in the ring, walked out of the ring. You know, they were just a tag team through and through. And I mean, they had a once in a lifetime generational talent with Bret Hart. And, you know, that was really the catalyst for him becoming the star that he came to be. And, you know, like going back and watching Hart foundation matches, like they still hold up. Like they're mm-hmm. a team that, you know, you go back and you just see technical masterclass, you know, you see Brett, you know, the smaller of the two, but just worked a technical match. And then you just got Jim Neidhart, the bruiser. I mean, the, the man's nickname was the anvil for a reason, let's be honest. And I also just loved the aesthetic, the color, like just so memorable. And again, from a legendary wrestling family and just two people that, you know, set industry standards for years to come that you still see influences of today. Fantastic pick. Uh, they're on my honorable mentions for sure. I love the Hart Foundation. Brett's my guy. He's like my, my favorite wrestler of all time, him and Hogan, right? But uh, they they were one of those first tag teams that kind of had like the 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 dichotomy like of, of they weren't like usually tag teams looked alike, but they had the Anvil who was like just this fire plug and then Brett who's this, you know, uh, Maserati or something in the ring and just and ironically, Anvil was was the guy who carried the interviews more so than Brett. He was just so crazy in those interviews. And you throw again, you throw Jimmy Hart into the package as the manager. They're uh, they're fantastic. Yeah, I think it's, they had the second longest reign too, and can't forget that. Um, definitely, really good pick. And uh, one I argued with myself, put them in, but there's just so many good tag teams. So tough. So for us, our third one, and again, me and Jay were in agreement on this one. Um, the Steiner brothers, uh, just again, it goes back to, they, they look like wrestlers. They have the amateur background. Scott was just a freak, um, especially towards the end. But I love, actually, I love Scott Steiner, uh, in the early days of the Steiner brothers, like in the early nineties, uh, before he was too jacked up. And I mean, he was doing some insane stuff in that ring. Like he was doing reversed power slams where he'd do a backwards flip while holding a guy in in a slam position 
and landed. I mean, he was doing the Frankensteiner when nobody was doing that. They're doing the top rope bulldog, the Steiner lines, the, just throwing people around that ring like crazy. I mean, some of the matches they had, a, you know, in Japan are just off the chain. Um, they won titles in NWA and in WWF as well. Uh, just it's brothers. So they, they had that bond and I love watching Steiner brother matches and the crazy, like the tougher the opponents they had, the better, like watching Steiner brothers in a doom go at it or watching Steiner brothers in, um, the miracle violence connection or something is just, just crazy to watch. They're just so good. Really enjoyed them. And, uh, I'm sure Jay would say the same thing, but, uh, Steiner's man, that's, that's tagged. You know, you have the legacy with them as well with Braun Breaker. And I noticed the Rick and Scott are getting mentioned a lot more on the, on the broadcast as well. So we might get Braun Steiner eventually instead of Braun Breaker. Yeah, and we also saw them go into the WWE Hall of Fame in the past year, too. And that yeah. is something that so many people thought we'd never see. <laughs> yeah, but it wasn't overdue and very well deserved. Yeah. Uh, and I could have saw, I think in 92, 93, if they wanted to break the Steiners off then and have Scott do a singles run, he could have easily been that nwa champion wcw champion when they were kind of relying on flair and vader and all those guys he, he could have eased a step in their role but the steiners didn't want to break up and it's like it it was such a missed opportunity and then he got into the big pop and i love the big pop pump character for its insanity but he was not the same guy at that point yeah, he wasn't the same in the ring. He wasn't able to do as many moves. Um, and he was just so muscular that he couldn't really move. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but um, I, I still love Steiner Math. And uh, he inspired, you know, Jordan Grace's <laughs> nickname and stuff. But um, uh, I'll go to my next team. It's a WCW team. This is tough. Originally, I had Rock and Roll Express. Because I, I think the fact, I mean, they're on their farewell tour. And uh, they've been wrestling so for so long and have been such a dominant team in tag team history but i ended up changing it to a team that uh, i changed it to harlem heat and my first exposure of booker t was of course as a singles wrestler but then when i got back in wrestling a few years ago and during covid when i really took a deep dive to watch old wcw stuff and multiple seasons they were they're what they were 10 time champs i think they were the they were together for like eight nine years which you don't see that usually tag teams especially one of the guy with booker t because booker t did have a singles run in wcw usually when you have a guy like that you split them up you split them up around like the three four year mark but no they they were together for a long time and had 10 reigns and you, you've never seen anything like that before it or after and you know, and they're in WWE Hall of Fame, even though that Harlem Heat never wrestled WWE. And it says a lot about the legacy. And I, I think that's why I had to put him in there. And because Booker T, I think that was probably my like first favorite wrestler. <laughs> so <laughs> is this a bias too? But I think it is well deserved. I I know you guys probably it's more so a honorable mention thing for them. And I almost didn't have them on, but I was like what they did is something that's never been done before or after maybe the new day or Usos could have like a 10 year run. Cause there's not many tag teams, but they also did it in a company with really good tag teams. And um, 
during good tag team era. So yeah, that's my final pick. Yeah, I will say they were one of the first honorable mentions I thought of. And I, I went back and forth on myself, putting them on my Mount Rushmore too. Um, but I ultimately did not do that. Um, and BC again, I don't know if you have a comment as a old schooler uh, wrestling fan for uh, the Harlem Heat. They were definitely in the running for consideration. So I have no issue with you throwing them on the Mount Rushmore. Cause again, it goes back to what your, your viewing patterns were for, for them. And I mean, you're right. WCW had a fantastic um, tag team division at that time. And they were head and shoulders at the top of that. Most times. I mean, again, I just mentioned the Steiners. They had some great matches against the Steiners before they broke up. Um, the outsiders uh, they fought them a bunch of times uh look at what booker did after the fact i mean he was phenomenal as a as um wcw champion and then over in as a world champion in wwe so yeah i can totally i'm fine with you putting them on the list they're they're definitely honorable mentions for me and i and i really enjoyed them they were entertaining as hell so i as we talked about we we are picking teams that we watch so for my fourth slot of my Mount Rushmore, I wanted to put a current day active tag team, one that I think deserves their face on the Mount Rushmore and history will not look back, uh, you know, they will look or history will look back fondly on them, I should say. And there's three teams that immediately came to mind for me. And I just want you to put the pitchforks away because the ultimate answer here for me is not what he's going to be happy with. First off is the New Day. I am a New Day fan through and through. I think that they carried WWE for years. When they were one of the main facets of, of WWE television, like, you know, you, you can't deny also with their tag team reigns, how many they had, how long that they had them for. You know, I, history is going to look back and say that's one of the best tag teams in WWE's history. I'm not going to say they are the best but they were one of the best for sure, but they're not who I picked. Second is FTR. Again, a, a team that's going around the world and winning belts and putting on banger after banger after banger. Team that is old school style. You know, they they take influences from guys like the Rock and Roll Express, Midnight Express. Um, you know, you, you see hints hints of brett in there i mean they they idolize bret hart i mean like you'd think that they run the bret hart fan club at the point how much they talk to him but again i did not pick them and i picked a team that juice is not going to be happy that i picked <laughs> because there's really only one other like really big current tag team that i think never made their way to wwe but i think that the impact that they made within like the tens like the 2010s and onward really put tag team wrestling back on the map and that's the young bucks like i think that the bucks deserve their flowers they are champions again all around the world i they started a company and although they are currently not with that company for reasons that i don't think any of us will ever know the answer to um i just do truly think that they are a team through and through they have the look together i can't believe they weren't twins like it took me at least like a solid year and a half of being a young bucks fan to realize wait they're not actually twins um and again like i think that they have so much charisma so much in-ring skills 
And, you know, they work with some of the best tag teams currently working right now, too. And, like, they have rarely have a bad match. They, they definitely have their few stinkers, don't get me wrong. But I think the Young Bucks are so influential for the past few years of tag team wrestling that history is going to look back and say, all right, the Young Bucks are a team that tag team wrestling is going to look, tag team wrestling history is going to look fondly upon. And Juice, again, I don't want you to put your pitchfork away. And I, I know you're not going to be too happy with that one. So I don't hate it because honestly, I expect you to see it, say a team that I hate even more because Young Bucks, my main problem, I just don't connect with them. But I, I'll, I have also come on record and said that some of my favorite matches the past couple of years have been Young Bucks matches. I don't hate the pick. I actually like it more than the pick that I thought you were going to say. When you said they've never been WWE, I was like, oh, it's not who I thought it was. I thought you were going to say the Usos, and I was going to just quit <laughs> quit the podcast. <laughs> but, um, I can live with the Young Bucks as your pick. Uh, I'm a guest in the show, so I won't go hard on you. I do not agree with the Young Bucks. If you listen to any of our episodes, you'll know I'm not a Young Bucks fan. I think they've probably done more to destroy the tag team um art than they have to improve it but that's just me uh i'm just not a fan and when i think of the young bucks stepping in the ring with the road warriors it's it's quite laughable to me <laughs> or the steiner brothers i can see them getting completely ripped in shreds but hey to each his own and that's that's your mount rushmore so that's that's cool with me <laughs> so um i'll leave it at that <laughs> uh for for jay his last pick was edging christian and i mean you know, how could you not? I think, Juice, you mentioned it was going to be either the Dudleys, Hardys, or Edge and Christian. So it, it's, yeah, that's that's a pretty easy pick. I can understand why he goes. He's a massive Edge and Christian fan anyways. And, uh, you know, I don't know how many tag team runs they had, but two world champions came out of that, that tag team. Multi-time world champions, multi-organization world champions, you know, because you had uh, Christian win the NWA as well. I mean, that's that's saying a lot. And, I mean, both of them still going today and main eventers and that. So uh, the TLC matches alone probably could get you the, uh, <laughs> get them on the list, but then they had such charisma too, just the five second pose, all that different stuff. So yeah, that's, that's, that's his pick for me. Um, <laughs> I am going old school on there on here as well. Um, shocker. Uh, I, tossed around I had some honorable mentions I did think about the uh, Rock and Roll Express because I think they're kind of the influence for say a Young Bucks where a smaller team that could uh, go up against these bigger teams they just had tag team fluidity like you see, uh, you'd see with the Rockers and those teams where it's just in and out at the speed of light and uh, you know the only thing that could probably kept them off my list is the double drop kick being their finishing maneuver <laughs> that just that was tough but I already had the Midnight Express so I wasn't going to put the Rock and Roll Express in there the British Bulldogs have always been my favorite team, and uh, I wanted to put them on there because they were just so ahead of their time, bringing that style of wrestling. Plus, uh, you had the power of Davey, and Dynamite was just such an amazing wrestler. But they just didn't have that sustained run long enough, and they didn't have the titles uh, long enough. So I'm thinking of Mount Rushmore. I can't. When it comes to tag teams, I cannot leave Aaron Anderson off of a Mount Rushmore of tag teams. And I was like, which one am I going to go with? I mean, I could go with Aaron and Zabisco. I could go with Aaron and Tully, or I can go with Aaron and Oli. So um, I picked um, Aaron and Oli. And Ted, the hillbilly heel, is probably going to love me for this. Uh, so Ted, if you're listening, which I'm sure you are, because you listen to every podcast, 
Uh, I'm sure you chime in on this, but I'm going to go with the old, the old original Minnesota Wrecking Crew. And I realized the original was uh, Ole and uh, Gene Anderson, but I didn't see them wrestle, unfortunately. But I did see Arn and Ole wrestle. And I think they were the just the consummate uh, tag team where they just worked a body part and worked a body part where it was believable. They just looked like they were going to tear somebody's shoulder out with how they worked a body part. They were so good at keeping uh, a, a wrestler on a tag team away from his corner and all these different hope spots that are that a team would have, and they just beat them down. And plus, you throw in the fact that they were in the original Four Horsemen, where they made tag teams cool as far as that being part of a faction. Now, nowadays, whenever you name a faction, you always got to think of the 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 world champ, the the guy who's the mid card champ. Then who's the tag team that we're going to throw? And that's why FTR is is uh, you know, always works in like the pinnacle and stuff like that. And FTR was definitely one I thought about too, but I think putting a modern tag team is hard because you got to finish off their legacy before we get done. But I think by the time FTR is done, they'll probably be on most people's uh, Mount Rushmore. But yeah, Arn and Ole just were fantastic. I loved Arn and, Arn and Tully too, but I think of them more as individuals as opposed to the tag team. Um, just what Arn and Ole did were just badass, tough guys that were in the four horsemen that just were. They just fit. And honestly, I think that's who FTR reminds me of more than the Midnight Express. Although I know they're big Midnight Express and Brett fans, but they're when I see them, I just picture Aaron and Oli and just the way they, they do it. No flips, just fists. That's what those guys did. They just absolutely were just absolute just tag team beasts. So I'm throwing them on there. I think they influenced a lot of tag teams just as far as the style of what goes on. I know they're not flashy, but you got to have Aaron Anderson on that list. I love that actually. Like I, I debated throwing some form of uh, Arn, like similar to you, just some form of an Arn Anderson tag team on there. But Arn and Ole, I feel like, it, just like out of them all, and again, this is just exposure from my dad because my dad was a huge Horseman fan. Yeah, and like, uh, yeah, like Arn and Ole are are through and through some of the best. They they top my honorable mentions. Them and the Steiners were the first two I immediately thought of for honorable mentions. So. Uh, definitely a great pick and definitely one. I, I think I agree with you too. Like just the amount of like probably like unknown influence that they have on a lot of modern day tag teams is probably bigger than we would imagine. I couldn't imagine being a tag team in AEW right now and being backstage and not going up to Aaron Anderson and saying, teach me how to be the best tag team. Like I'd be sponging off them so much if I was, well, uh, FTR obviously, but like Swerve and Keith Lee or something like that, or or you know the acclaimed or whatever. I'd just be sitting under that tree all day long just to to establish that. That's why FTR has become famous because of their tag team and how they do that wrestling. They're not two individuals trying to be a tag team; they are a tag team. Arn and Tully. Well, Arn, like you said, if we made a list of Mount Rushmore of just individual tag team wrestlers, Arn would one hundred percent be on it, and um, mm -hmm. he was. The Brain Busters were on mine at one point instead of the Wild Samoans. Because um, I remember when Arn debuted in AW. Well, actually, it was Tully and then Arn debuted um, to help out Cody. And I wasn't too familiar with Tully. I knew Arn a little bit. So first thing I did was matches. YouTube's a beautiful thing. And um, just seeing... I fell in love with the Brain Busters. I was like, oh, they're so good. I love these guys. And then you I and then I learned about the other Arn Anderson tag team. I'm like, wow, Arn Anderson, I'm I'm a fan. 
and I became more of a fan when he had the Glock promo. <laughs> but, uh, Arn Anderson is a gem. And then also Arn and Tully had, in my opinion, the greatest manager, and all, most people's opinion, the greatest manager of all time, uh, the brain. Yeah. And so, and those are guys that really didn't need uh, a mouthpiece, but so, still can make it better and just make you more appealing. So, yeah, uh, that's definitely on my honorable mentions. Another one, Edge and Christian, who's my favorite tag team of all time. Uh, Rock and Roll Express. We've mentioned them so many times. It kind of seems bad that we didn't have them on our list, but uh, at least an honorable mention because they definitely deserve it. Beer Money. Beer Money is also one of my favorites. And it's launched guys' individual careers too. Uh, and they're just so much fun and just such an original concept. I love it. Um, and they came from two different great tag teams that could have been in the honorable mentions too. I guess most wanted. And um, yeah, uh, Brain Buster, as I said, Heart Foundation, or I said, British Bulldogs, just so much fun. A, a team I, I love to go back and watch old matches of, especially uh, Bulldog himself, just a great wrestler, underrated, underrated by uh, our generation, underrates him because we didn't get to see him. Uh, New Day, uh, the Briscoes, mm. both Briscoes, the current ones and the old ones, the ones with the ease and one without the ease in their tag team name. And uh, Dudley Boys, I said it. And of course, uh, Steiners was my last one I'll mention because I mean, we already bought them in one of the lists. I'm, I'm glad you had them in your list because um, they definitely be mentioned because they're just so much fun. And Scott has just made me uh, laugh so much. And <laughs> uh, when I learned about how good of wrestlers they were, I think most of the matches I got exposed to from them was w when I went down the rabbit hole in WCW during uh, the lockdown and COVID. And I'm like, wow, I thought. Scott was, I thought uh, he was a bad wrestler, but no, that's not true at all. He just, he just, you know, lost it because <laughs> he was just, uh, couldn't move around from all the muscle he gained. <laughs> yeah. Like I said, I have a, a 15 team tag list for honorable mentions. So I'll just run through them. Uh, Steiners, Arnoli, uh, the New Day and FTR were ones, again, they just kind of got relegated. Uh, the Hardys, Edge and Christian. Uh, I put DX on there. Just again, I if you're going to talk 90s, you're going to probably talk DX. That was a big influence for a lot of people. And I still cross-shot people when I insult them sometimes. So <laughs> um, Brothers of Destruction, again, just two massive people that just ended up becoming a destructive tag team. I don't think they were really great in terms of title reigns and, and overall tag team matches, but they were just very memorable for me because Undertaker is my favorite wrestler that's ever existed. So um, that was one of the few tag teams that he ever really had. Uh, Rock and Roll Express, Demolition, Midnight Express. Uh, I also had the Outsiders on there. I threw the New Age Outlaws on there too. Um, that was one that we didn't really mention. But again, if you're going to talk, uh, you know, the, that 90s era of wrestling, you more than likely were a New Age Outlaws fan as well. Uh, Harlem Heat, as we talked about before, and the Freebirds. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. For me, the honorable mentions are probably number five. If there was a fifth head to go on that one, it would be. Probably the Freebirds, just for the innovation that they brought, like the Freebird rule, just that alone, that was cool. Bringing the rock music to uh, to wrestling, just having uh, just a, such a dichotomy with like Michael Hayes, just being the the glitz and the glamour, and then Terry Gordy just being such a badass, and then uh, Buddy Roberts is, uh, well, you know, he's the guy that got pinned every match. Uh, with the Freebirds, you could throw the Von Ericks in there, same thing, three of them, you could just switch in and out for who you want it um 
the um, I said the Bulldogs or Rock and Roll Express. Um, Doom is another one that I used to love back in the day in WCW. Um, Ron Simmons and Butch Reed. Um, Harlem Heat. Um, Edge and Christian, you got to throw them on there. Uh, FTR is climbing into that list. The Heart Foundation we mentioned. Uh, there's just so many good tag teams. Demolition. I can't believe Demolition didn't get get mentioned, but I loved Demolition back in the day. Um, yeah, those are the main ones. Brain Busters, of course, but I'm just including that all in the urn. Everybody who's associated with urn gets gets on that list. I guess you could include it. And I'm glad you brought up Beer Money. I loved Beer Money back in the day. I'd love for Rude and Storm to get back together in WWE and reunite with Beer Money. I think they were fantastic. Um, it almost happened a couple years ago. I know. I know. So good. And I mean, if you want to throw, like, I'm not big on the smaller tag teams as far as, but I, I don't think I could throw the Rockers onto the Mount Rushmore, but when you look at their overall career, and especially with the Midnight Rockers days back in the AWA, they had some fantastic matches on that in that era. And then um, Motor City Machine Guns is another one that gets forgotten about a lot. And I mean, you want to talk about um, inspiring tag teams. I mean, that just watching them on Bound for Glory and just they are still so quick and so smooth. It's it's pretty impressive. I got to revoke my uh, Motor City Machine Gun fan card that I didn't have. <laughs> I, I was a little and surprised to like, have them, honestly. My second favorite TNA tag team. <laughs> you should be. I mean, I didn't even put FTR on. Like, my, my, two of my favorite tag teams right now, and I didn't put them on my honorable mentions, especially Motor City Machine Guns, because they definitely mm-hmm. should be honorable mention for Rushmore, because they've done, they've done, uh, they've been long. <laughs> been here for so long, and have entertained me for so long, and oh. Oh, I got to revoke my fan card. I'm sorry, Saban and Jelly. <laughs> I let I, you down. I know they make uh, nobody's list, but just for pure um, big, meaty men enjoyment, I always loved the bar as a tag team, too. <laughs> they were great, Seamus and Cesaro together. Yeah, that that is like that put me back on the map for Seamus. Like mm-hmm. when they got together after their best of seven series and they just the bar formed, I was like, I am so sold on these guys. Like yeah. I love these guys. And they got into the the act too. I mean, the the outfits and everything, they were into it. And that's what I missed about WWE tag teams, is it just seemed like it was just two random guys just thrown together, but they actually looked like a tag team. I I for me, the team has to look like a tag team. That's fair enough. Like I, I know. Like I, I said, the brothers of destruction. Like the only thing they really had together was they were KFA brothers. But um, yeah, like I, I completely agree with you. Like I, I feel like I see some teams nowadays, and it's just like, yeah, why, why are they thrown together? I feel like the <laughs> art of tag team wrestling is really lost. Um, you know, I, I think that a lot of companies like Impact and uh, AEW are are doing better with tag teams. Like the Lucha Bros yeah. are another one too. Like I, I'm all in on the Lucha Bros right now too. Like I, I think anything even the death triangle in general if you want to just throw a trios team on there like i i'm loving what they're doing right now and i hope that they hold those trios titles for a little while all right bc well that is going to take us to the end of the episode here with you tonight um again i know we we mentioned the social medias a little bit beforehand but if you just want to reiterate for the people before we log off here uh you know now is the chance to do so sure i really appreciate you guys having me on this has been a fun conversation uh Looking forward to doing it again. We'll definitely have you guys pop on over to our our side of the fence. Come over to Nova Scotia and join us here for our uh, our show. But uh, yeah, for 
for reaching us on the social. So on um, Facebook or sorry, on uh, Twitter and Instagram is at WWTT pod uh, for myself. It's at BC Hunter WWTT and for Jay, it's at Jay Myers WWTT uh, Facebook. It's just wrestling with the truth on there. And on YouTube it is uh, wrestling with the truth on YouTube. And we'd really appreciate it if anybody's listening, if they would come on over, subscribe, check us out. We want to get to uh, that 500 mark because that's when you get the community page and that i think would be really fun just being able to have a community page and and chatting with people on on uh on youtube because uh it seems like we're getting a pretty good reach there but i want to be actually um you know chatting with people on there and and getting their opinions on things because it's it's fun to do that every podcasting um network that you can find will be on whatever it is um and that's pretty much it. I really, really appreciate you guys having us on. And this is this has been really enjoyable. Yeah. Thank you for coming on. We we truly appreciate it. We love we love the interaction that we've always had on Twitter and social media. So um, you know, it was only fitting that we get you on here and, and come on. Uh and juice, I know we just spoke a little bit about social medias, but uh you want to let the people know where they can find us on social media too. Well, first press your caps lock button press the uh, t o t c underscore capital p lowercase o lowercase d that's our twitter handle uh on instagram same thing all lowercase um t o t c underscore p o d i know i don't have to repeat it but i always do and i always will <laughs> <laughs> Yes, and as we come crashing down to the map on this episode of Top of the Cage, we want to thank you all so much for tuning in. And if you do not, I, I always mess it up. Why do I always mess it up? It's my bit. <laughs> and I mess it up every single week. <laughs> and if you are listening to us on Apple or Spotify and you do not leave us a five-star review, that means that you, specifically you, not UBC, but you, the viewer at home, will not get five-star content, and that is just a fact. Fact. And again, thank you all so much for tuning in, and we will catch you next time.